0: Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, kids, you can head off to kids Zone at this time. And thank you to those who uh, go off and, uh, and teach them and get to know them. If, uh, if you get our weekly newsletter that we send out by email, great. If you don't, you can always uh, go onto our website and sign up or... Email or call the, the church office, and we can put you on that one of the items, uh, if you did get the newsletter this week was the uh, note of pass, the passing of uh, of Wayne and Roy, and uh, that was really uh, sudden to us, unexpected, um, still waiting for some of the more details, but it did t- uh, take place during the during the heat wave that we had, and uh, so we um, we will keep you posted. We would like to have a, a service sometime of, of remembrance uh, for them. And Wayne is, uh, yeah, part of our small group for, for many years. And, um, and Wayne's, Wayne's journey uh, to faith and then wandering away and then a coming back story is something that I will always remember. And uh, I want to take some time this morning to pray. Maybe you've experienced some disappointments and losses in your own life as well. And maybe you've experienced some some joys. I was talking with someone this morning, and they were sharing with me, you know, a great joy in life as well. And God wants us to bring all all of life to Him. Let us pray. Dear gracious Lord, Heavenly Father, Savior, we have sung this morning it is well with my soul. And Lord, it is well because of what you have done in your son Jesus Christ. For Lord, we live in a world in which we experience brokenness and disappointment and loss. And it is hard to face some of those. It feels at times like it it knocks the wind out of us. It do- disorients us. And yet, Lord, we know that we have a sure foundation in you, that you are the God who is making all things right, that in Jesus you have already turned the tide against sin and death and have declared your victory. And so, Lord, we, we want to live in the light of that honest and open about our disappointments and losses. Lord, for some it has been job loss. For some it is a loss of confidence or hope. And yet, God, you are also the God who restores. Lord, we want to pray for those who are uh, anticipating, maybe some dreading, the going back to school and, uh, and for some, Lord, it will be decision time in terms of what is the, the career path or courses or things that I'm going to take. And Lord, we thank you that you are our God who guides. We thank you that you have gifted each person and that you have a plan for our lives. A plan, Lord, for us to use the gifts and interests and abilities and the experiences, both the, the good experiences and also the painful ones, Lord, you are the ultimate recycler. And so, Lord, uh, we pray for those uh, who are anticipating going back to school or, or going back to work or looking for work. Lord, we thank you that you care about all of the details of life. And Lord, as we heard John share earlier this morning, Lord, we also want to pray for Svitlana and her sister and mother and her children. Lord, they are specific of many things refugees in this time. And yet, God, I thank you that you have given opportunity to to come alongside. And Lord, we pray that the process of coming here, Lord, that you would guide and direct that. And uh, Lord, we, yeah, we can be overwhelmed at times at the world's need, but you call us to do the one thing and to help that one person before us. And we thank you, Lord, for the reminder of that this morning. And Lord, as we open up your word, we pray that you would open up our eyes and our hearts especially, Lord, that we would indeed hear from you. Amen. Well, today we come to the close of James's letter that we've been looking at this summer and his letter to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, dispersed. And along the way, James has challenged us He's challenged his dear brothers and sisters in Christ to live out their faith holistically. He, he's challenged his readers to be faithfully different than the world around them in how they face trials and temptations, how they interact with others with whom we disagree. You know, he says, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Faith in Christ should influence how we treat the poor and what we say and what we, how we say it. It should affect our plans and priorities, as we saw last week, and, and how we treat our employees, how we use the money that God has given us. So I wonder, have you said or done anything differently as a result of hearing James this summer? James also said, don't be just hearers of the word, right? But doers. I hope you have. It's a good exercise. It's still not too late to put into practice. In the closing chapter, chapter 5, and you can turn to it, James chapter 5. In the closing chapter, uh, James will spell out a, a, a Christian response to two specific kinds of trials. First, the a Christian response to oppression and exploitation, and then secondly, the trials of sickness and suffering. These were both incredibly important issues in their day, and they are in our day. So let's look at, uh, at each of these to get a better grasp of the issues they were facing, as well as the antidote, antidote that James gives to each. Let's read James chapter 5, beginning at verse 7. Hmm, I had 2 Peter, I thought, that is not the right one. There are verses. (laughs) Oops, exactly. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Well, last week, we noted at the first part of James 5 that he was addressing the the super-rich, the small elite group of Roman and Jewish land barons who were causing many of the day laborers so much grief through their selfish hoarding and through their unjust business practices. They were withholding the wages of their day laborers. Now, the natural reaction, you know, to that kind of oppression, exploitation, would be either to, to get even, you know, let's work at a revolt, or else give up in despair. We're done. Instead, James counsels his Christian brothers and sisters to be patient until the Lord's coming. Now, that is worth unpacking because some people think this call to be patient is to be totally passive, just grin and bear it. But as Peter David explains in his commentary, the word patient here means enduring, keeping steady under provocation, and continuing to be faithful. Because you know there is a day coming when the Lord will return and make all things right. Now, this does not mean that the Lord won't work out some measure of relief or justice in the present as his foretaste of the ultimate deliverance that and God is truly and totally committed to this but even James says if it sees, seems slow in coming you know think of the exodus when it began they thought yes God's going to deliver us and then it's like well, it's taking longer and it's harder than we thought this was going to be Even when it seems slower and harder, we know the preferred future we long for is certain to those who remain faithful until the Lord's coming. And so to strengthen and encourage them, James gives them an example of the importance and the power of active patience. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You know, as Rob said earlier, this is not just a, you know, a hands-off process. Uh, I grew up on a farm, and my favorite times of the year were springtime and harvest. And I would go out to my garden. My favorite was fresh peas. And, uh, you know, and you're just waiting, and then finally the flowers come on, and you're like, okay, I know what's coming next, and the pods start to form. And then you have that moment where you open up the pea pod, and you eat those tender sweet peas, and you say, this was worth waiting for. Right? This was worth waiting for. We have these moments in life. I was talking to Mandy earlier, and she's been a fan of the Backstreet Boys for years, and she went to a concert this week. And uh, as she was waiting there, Kevin, Kevin came by. (laughs) This was worth waiting for, she said. You see, God has built into actually all of life appropriate rewards and satisfaction. It is harder to wait a long time, but when that day comes, when the fulfillment of that comes, it is, we get this sense, it was worth it. It heightens our satisfaction. And you too, James says, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. And like the farmer, we we are to bet our lives on the ultimate outcome of a long wait. So be patient and stand firm. And once again, we see that patience is neither passive nor effortless. It is not just waiting it out, but it is waiting it out, W-A-D-I-N-G. If you've ever tried wading across a stream, you know that there is this stream coming against you. And when you go upstream, it is a lot of pressure. It can be exhausting. And uh, we need one writer called tenacious patience. Tenacious patience to make sure the steady flow of discouragement and doubt, that they don't sweep us off our feet. Which is why James gives this added encouragement that the Lord's coming, it's near. And so in addition to the patient example of the farmer waiting for the harvest, James adds an example of persistence. Patience in the face of suffering. The prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, he said, that is, he's clarifying versus the false prophets who, who went with a flow of what the culture was saying, right? No, the ones who spoke in the name of the Lord, they were going against this current, And they are testimony to the power of persistence in the face of suffering. I mean, the prophets experienced public shaming, the threats of violence from the rich and powerful who tried to silence them. Again, we see that James does not equate being patient with being passive or silent. Neither the prophets nor Job were passive or silent, but they were very persistent. They're like, we're going to outlast. God is going to outlast you. We are going to outlast you. Yet, as you know, when our patience is, te- is tested, it is tempting to grumble against one another and against God. I mean, I, like the Israelites did time and again. Remember their long journey to the promised land? Grumbling, grumbling, and grumbling. Now, why James's audience and readers would be tempted to grumble against one another, is it's not clearly stated. But don't we know from experience that frustration, it breeds irritability? Yes? Yes. yes. Okay. And, uh, and so it may well have been that they were tempted to take their frustrations with the landlords, you know, out on those around them. You probably have an experience, a frustration at work, and you come home, and somehow your family gets the frustration, or the other way around, whatever it may be. Well, whatever the cause of their grumbling, James warns them that all sins will be judged by God. Not only the sins of their oppressors, but their own as well, if, especially if they act in an ungodly way. They grumble and complain, and you know, and is Peter David's point out the nearness of Christ's coming, it both warns and encourages. And James covers both of those aspects. James also wants us to remember that God has a special blessing in store for those who have persevered. And to support this point, James reminds his, his readers that the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. That one liner is famous. It's a famous description of God's character in the Old Testament. It's the Old Testament creed, if you will, when God reveals himself to Moses. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And so this is James' way of saying that it would be totally in keeping with God's character. To bless those who, who patiently wait for their reward, like a good farmer does. And like the prophets, and like Job did. Now, in chapter five, uh, verse twelve, James suddenly gets in about oaths. And I wonder why does James suddenly talk about not swearing an oath? I'm not sure. <laughs> Perhaps he is finishing off the earlier issue of proper speech that he that he really went into detail about back in chapter three, and with this call to honesty. Perhaps he is warning against making promises that we can't keep. You know, if you're falling into debt, oh, but I've got this deal working, I'm going to be able to pay it off. We don't know. Whatever the case, it is clear that what he is calling them to is integrity and honesty. And he's saying this matters probably even more so when you are in the midst of trials because integrity is going to what's count in the long run. And I think of someone like Nelson Mandela, all of those years in in prison. It was the integrity, you know, of that patient waiting that gave the opportunity that came later. And so I think James is getting at the importance of honesty and integrity. Whatever is happening around you, that is so important. Well, the call to patience that we've looked at and perseverance naturally leads in the next section to a call to prayer. It's the proper response to the trials of sickness and suffering. Now, James teaches us at least three things about prayer. He'll talk when to pray, how to pray, and why pray. Okay, let's look at those. First, it's interesting, the vocabulary of prayer in the Old and New Testament is a actually very rich and varied. Sometimes the words translated, you know, prayer in English don't capture the color, the flavor of many of the other words used in in Hebrew and in Greek. And in this section alone, in verses 13 to 18, James uses four different words for prayer. Yeah, in 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 verse 13, and uh, you can see the other verses, he uses prayer prosukomai, which is the most general term that there is for communication with God. So talk to God about it, We might say. Uh, In verse 13, it says sing, but it's the word solo, from which we get the psalms. So it's a sung prayer, okay? Or praise. Again, a prayer word. In verse 15 and 16, yuke or yukomai, it's prayer for or on behalf of someone. We would say intercessory prayer. And then in the second half of verse 16, there's another prayer word where it's requesting, sometimes even pleading. And so this is all the prayer language that D- James calls on, and he, and he paints three scenarios that he puts on the table. He notice them. First, is anyone in trouble? This is usually the word trouble here is usually externally caused suffering, hardship, but it's also the internal distress of try- having to endure it. And, uh, and he says, well, let them pray rather than grumbling or giving up. Prayer is something active that you can engage in. The second scenario, is anyone happy? I mean, feeling good in joyful spirits. Basically, so often in Deuteronomy, it says, when you are in the land, don't forget God that he gave this to you. But remember to praise him, both privately but also publicly. And the third scenario, is any of you sick? The word here is just weakness in any form, but it's probably focused here on illness. And it's this last scenario of the three that James will go into detail, since it specifically addresses what to do when one is in really ill health. Probably, the point here is probably too ill to be able to go to the elders for prayer, and that's why call the elders to come. For prayer now before we get into the details i hope you can see james's overall point here in all the scenarios like pray in all circumstances in all situations in life and i think there are other scenarios that could be added is anyone angry grief stricken anyone full of doubt or despair And the whole variety that we actually see is in the ancient prayer book, the prayers that God wrote for us in the book of Psalms. There are such a variety of situations in which the psalmist prayed. And that becomes, I think, informative for us that we can use these prayers. I love Eugene, a little book, Eugene Peterson, a study guide he wrote a number of years ago on the psalms. And the title of each chapter, one was like, Praying Our Hate praying our anger, praying our joy, and just helping work through and learning to pray all of these along with the Psalms. Well, James moves from from this uh, when to pray to how to pray. How to pray for healing because he knows that if God's people are going to carry on Jesus' restorative and healing work, then we will need to know how to apply Jesus' best medicine. So how can and should we respond when we find ourselves in deep, deep waters? And James, he gives us a basic pattern. He says, call in the specialists, right? And he says, an expected outcome. The sick will be healed. And thirdly, he gives an illustration of how the model works with an example of the prophet Elijah. Now, the first thing that might seem strange to us is the specialists that James says we're to call in. It doesn't say call the doctors or medical professionals. I mean, where would you go for the best possible care? And if we take the Bible seriously, we would know that it is ultimately God who cares for the health and well-being of His people, and it can be by direct divine intervention or through human agent and god does does both the spectrum of how god does it is uh, is not as important as god is the one working through each of these just as the the battle belongs to the lord is a famous saying in the old testament and victory you know is neither guaranteed by the the vast army nor is defeat assured by the absence of one so also healing belongs to the lord And he uses, God uses various means to do it. And as part of his prayer plus counsel, I call it, prayer, but then this added element, prayer plus, James also suggests the prayer team. Call in the elders, those who should be, have this habit of prayer, right? And also he says, anoint the sick person with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, if you you read commentaries on this for the meaning of this practice of anointing, you will come across basically two suggestions. The first is that since oil was widely used for medicinal purposes in ancient times, some suggest that James is telling them to use the best medical help along with the best spiritual help. Okay? Now, and I agree that God often heals people through good medicine and we should thank god for it but i i think that james emphasis here not exclusive but his emphasis here is on the spiritual power available to us as god's children notice he says the prayer offered in faith that's the power and don't overlook it and to anoint with oil in the name of the lord is a spiritual practice Oil was often used in dedicating a king, for example, that was dedicate, was the anointed one. That's the meaning of Messiah, anointed one. That is one set apart, dedicated to God and his service. And I think what he's saying is here, dedicate or rededicate this person into God's care, into God's hands. And this may also, as James notes, include a time of confession, Confession, because there are times when there is a link between one's physical and spiritual ill health. The psalmist will talk about guilt, for example, in in Psalm 38, but then also talk about all of the physical effects of the guilt that he was having, or worry, or anxiety, or you name it. Sometimes it's, it's relational discord. And so that also is an important part of the healing work. Finally, why James gets to why pray. And basically, because prayer works, right? James implies that the following pattern of faithful prayer will result in making the sick person well, and that the Lord will raise them up. Is this 100% guarantee? 95, 80, 50? 50? I don't think it's 100% guarantee any more than going to a doctor will assure you 100% healing. You know, I heard someone a while back, they were going through cancer and they have kids. And they said, I don't know whether I should should pray with them about this because if it doesn't work, I'm, I'm worried that that will erode their faith in God. And I thought if you take that same mindset to the doctor and it doesn't work, that will erode all of their confidence in the doctor? I hope not. This is saying, this is the best thing that we can do and God invites us to do it. And it's free. And free. (laughs) And in a similar way, prayer works. When we pray for healing of all kinds or when we get prayed for, positive results happen a lot more often than we, when we don't. And, and Elijah is a classic case, because if you know anything about the times in which he lived, we used to sing a song, These are the days of Elijah. Just so you know, the days of Elijah were the darkest days in Israel's history. And it's saying, can God bring hope into the darkest days and uh, so Elijah, in the darkest of those days, he did the one thing that God's people are always supposed to do, remember, in any and every situation. He prayed. He prayed. He prayed first that Baal, the, the god of fertility, who was who often pictured with a lightning bolt, you know, he's the one who gives the rain and the thunder. Well, he prayed that Baal's power would dry up. And it did. For three and a half years, not a drop of rain. And it resulted in a famine and drought so devastating, the entire country and its Baal worshipping king were brought to their knees. And it was only then, after that long drought, that the people were finally ready to confess their sin. Again, similar to the pattern James is calling on. And it was only then that they were ready to finally publicly confess that the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. When Elijah prayed and the, God brought down fire on, on, uh, on the altar and, uh, and burned up all the water even. It's interesting the Lord he is God. That's in Hebrew. It's a play on Elijah's name. The Lord is God. They were like saying Elijah, but they're saying the Lord is God at the end of that. And it was then that God prompted Elijah to pray exactly at that point for the brains to return. And the land began to be healed. And Even then, if you read it in 1 Kings 18, you will discover that Elijah had to be persistent. He got down on his knees and prayed. Then he sent his servant, do you see anything yet? And his servant comes back. Nope. He prays. He sends him, prays, sends him. Finally, he sees a little cloud. He says, oh, we better run for it. A big storm is coming. He prayed seven times. Well, James ends this chapter and this letter with a call, he says, watch out for one another. Help one another in your journey of faith. If someone is stumbling, if they're going astray, bring them back. And doing so, he says, it will make a huge difference. A difference that God himself will make clear to us one day. James says, it can cover over a multitude of sins. Well, to applications. One, I'm going to get some help uh, from Rebecca on in a, in a moment. The first is don't underestimate the power of patient persistence. Don't underestimate it. I think we should have a, a little jar where we have those, this was worth waiting for moments. Write it on there, put it in the jar, and then we're, when we're on our next, you know, challenge and we're like, I'm ready to give up Go to the jar, pull it out, and remember, oh, this was worth waiting for. God is good for his promises. Don't underestimate the power of persistent, of patient persistence. And secondly, don't neglect the power of prayer and care for one another. Don't neglect the power of prayer and care for one another. And uh, I'm going to have Rebecca share, uh, not too long ago, yeah, you can come up. Rebecca phoned me up, and uh, she said, you know, during worship, God put something on my heart. And, uh, and as she shared, I said, this is great timing. <laughs> so, please. Uh,
1: good morning, church. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping with you again Uh, Thank you, worship team. Every word, every verse just really ministered to me this morning. Today, I want to share with you my sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to God so that you too may be encouraged. Just me walking up here on my own is nothing short of a miracle. As I was told, I would lose most of my femur to cancer and never walk unaided again. But God's people prayed and my diagnosis changed. During my treatment, I contracted two separate life-threatening infections, and even had an ER doctor encourage me to sign a do not resuscitate order. But again, God's people prayed, and I made it home to my family. After all my treatment was over, and I was supposed to be on the road to recovery, an abscess had been brewing unnoticed in my abdomen suddenly turned septic, and I was back in hospital again near death once more. But yet again, God's people prayed. And here I am. God did so much more than preserve my earthly body at this time. He taught me so much. As it says in Philippians 4.19, he met all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. One of the ways he did this was through you, my beautiful church family. He worked through my friends, my family, my neighbors, people I haven't even met yet, <laughs> who were praying and cooking and sending notes of encouragement, wonderful healthcare workers, I had a nurse lean over and whisper in my ear, you're gonna be all right, I'm praying for you. I have never experienced a time in my life where I felt so cared for and loved. I want to thank you all for the love and kindness you poured out on me and my family. I don't think you can understand the impact you had on us and how mightily God used your acts of service. I wanna take a moment here to speak to those of you who have prayed those hard prayers and wept those tears, and the answer you received was not what you had hoped for. I too know this pain, as I have lost friends whom I loved and prayed for, one of whom was a cancer patient just like me. As I was nearing the end of my treatment and my test results looked encouraging, her cancer returned and her prognosis was poor. Beautiful person that she was, she rejoiced with me as I passed each treatment hurdle and we prayed as her cancer worsened. She told me that we needed to exercise our trust muscle as we rode together what we dubbed the cancer roller coaster. Ultimately, she trusted the Lord to take her home. I wanted to share this story with you as her story is no less miraculous than mine. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.10, in his kindness, God has called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little, he will restore you, support and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. My precious friend received her full and complete healing in heaven, where her life continues this day, for she is God's priceless creation, and cancer cannot unmake her and rob her of her life in Christ. I am so unbelievably grateful to God for gifting me more time here on earth and choosing to heal me here, but it has never been more clear to me that the biggest miracle of all is Jesus' and the love he showed for us on the cross. He made a way for us to trust God with our whole lives, not just our fleeting one here, but when we are birthed into eternity as well. To God be the glory.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I want to invite the... Uh, the worship team up as we sing, maybe pray sing our response as well to God for, for his goodness. And uh, as they're coming, let's pray. Lord, we have heard from your word this morning, and we have also heard a spoken word of testimony. Lord, we thank you that there is indeed great power in patience, in prayer, and in care, because you are the God who works through each of these. Lord, perhaps there is someone here this morning who is just needing desperately a new dose of persistence and patience. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with that this day. And Lord, for a word of hope, and encouragement we thank you that you are the god who is gracious and compassionate the god whose character has been revealed to us in jesus and that you are totally worthy of all of our trust amen also if you would like prayer after all we were talking about prayer and hearing testimony of prayer uh, we have a uh, prayer team available here on your right hand side at the front and uh, we encourage you take advantage.